In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. There's a God who loves you. There's a claim that heaven is a gift. You're a conversation away. You're a conviction. You're a repentance away from going to heaven. And also, you're guilty. And nothing good that you do is going to get you out of that, except for this. not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we salute you. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I'm Jim Ramos, your host for today's show. Guys, I got to tell you, today's show is going to be really, really cool. I'm excited about our guest. This guy is in the entertainment industry, and he's actually shared his faith with Shaquille Neal and other famous figures, and I still cannot tell what in the world he does for a living. I just have no idea. I, I'm not sure if he's an actor, if he's a rapper, if he's a businessman. I, a mar- is he a martial artist? I don't know. You're going to be excited to find this out today. But before we move on to our, our guest for today's show, I want to thank all of you, our listeners, for making the Men in the Arena podcast Spotify's number one podcast for Christian men. Man, it's because of you and the reviews you write and your faithfulness to listen to the show. Uh, we sure appreciate you guys. You are our heroes. You are our men in the arena. Hey guys, want to give you a man law. We have a man law every week and these are fun little man laws that we get from you guys, our heroes. And this week's man law actually comes from a guy I know, Jeff Burgess. And Jeff says, never pee facing upwind. (laughs) And I'm going to add, or close to an electric fence. I've actually seen that happen, and it was not pretty. Anyway, uh, uh, anyways, that's that's awesome. So our hero story comes from Noah through Instagram, and he said, and you might you might think, well, why is this a hero story? Well, let me tell you why. He said, I really appreciate your content. You're really helping me through a difficult time in life. Noah, you're a hero today because it takes a man to admit he's struggling and going through a difficult time. So appreciate you admitting the struggle, and I appreciate you seeking to become your best version. So for that, you are a hero of the week. So guys, if we use your man law hero story, hit us up at info at menandarena.org. Send us your physical address, and we will send you some swag just to say thank you. 
Hey guys, I'm super excited today to introduce to you our new friend and our guest, Philippe Prosper. He's been married to his beautiful wife, Alessandra, for 12 years. Philippe is a former professional martial artist and international kung fu champion. He's also the Christian Businessmen's Connection Area Director for Washington, D.C., where he disciples businessmen and influential artists. His passion, and I love this, man, I love this, his passion is making Christ famous both in the marketplace and the entertainment area. Oh, let me read that again. <laughs> both in the marketplace and the entertainment world, sharing Christ with people like Shaquille O'Neal and Nick Cannon and more. Man, I'm really excited to introduce you guys, our new friend, Philippe Prosper. How you doing, man? Doing well. So excited to be here. Thank you guys so much for, for having me. I'm excited for whatever God's going to do during our time. Well, I'll tell you, I, I was laughing earlier because I, I, I've got a lot of questions about you. I've done a lot of research, and uh, you've been really good about sending your bio stuff. And I just there's some things about you that are a little mysterious about me. So I'm about you. So I'm super excited. But before we jump into some of the questions I have, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your story? I know you've got a, a a kind of a cool history of coming here, and English is your second language. I think you have five languages, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, why don't you tell us your story? Yeah, well, um, my family's originally from Haiti, so we came uh, to the States when I was about four years old. Um, uh, my parents did international finance work, and uh, my dad was really into martial arts growing up. Um, we used to watch a lot of kung fu movies together, so very early on, about six years old, uh, he put me in some martial arts, and that was kind of like our thing. Me and my dad, we would do martial arts together, and uh, about the age of 14, uh, the martial art I always really wanted to do was kung fu, so we finally got to a kung fu school, and um, you know, about two years in, it just kind of became my life, five to seven hours a day. It was my first introduction to the concept of discipleship. You know, my, my uh, teacher was from Hong Kong. And so he had thousands of students, um, you know, over his time here, but he only had a handful of people that he chose to be his disciples. And so uh, while I was at the martial arts school, I, I uh, gave my life to Christ. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. We had all types of spirituality around us. I went to an international school for from kindergarten up to high school. And then high school, I went to an American school. So I just had people from all over the world. And so all types of religious and spiritual influences around me. Um, but yeah, so, uh, I came to Christ. It's a whole, that's a whole long, long story, but, uh, I came to Christ, uh, simple version is through the purpose driven life, but a really cool story associated with that. Um, yeah, while I was a Kung Fu student and, uh, I remember when I came to Christ, something that was very clear on my heart was the Lord put on my heart. I was going to have to break up with the girlfriend I had been with for three years, uh, before I even knew the scriptures, you know, um, she, she was not a believer. So I finally understood why, and I was going to have to leave the martial arts school. Um, not because there was anything wrong with martial arts, but because, uh, like I said, as I said, my introduction to discipleship, uh, I remember a conversation my teacher had with two of us. So he only had a handful and, and, and me and my ministry partner, my now ministry partner, James, who also came to Christ. And we've been kind of tied at the hip ministry wise since he came to Christ, uh, sat down and had a conversation with my teacher where he essentially said, Hey, I want to choose you to be my disciples. It's a huge honor, really famous martial arts grandmaster. Wow. And uh, it was a count the cost conversations. There, there were a lot of parallels uh, for when I came to Christ. He essentially said, you're going to have to exchange your life for mine. So in exchange for being identified with me and me teaching you how to be like me, you're going to exchange your agenda and you're you know, uh, basically going to do everything I tell you to do from now on. So at the front of the disciple conversation was, 
There are no more no's. You say yes to everything I say. And so when we came to Christ, you think of Luke one thirteen. you know, Jesus says, anybody who does not give up everything for my sake cannot be my disciple. And so we had that kind of conversation with him. I said yes, but then the Holy Spirit, I had just come to Christ, was like, nope, <laughs> you can't do that. You've got one God, you're one person's disciple. So I had to go back to the school, tell him that. Long story short, that's kind of my martial arts background. I was international, uh, you know, grand champion there. It was my life, but it came to Christ, had to give up everything that I loved, um, you know, to follow Jesus, everything that was God in my life I had to give up. And so that kind of colored my whole relationship with Christ since then. Um you know, went to business school, got my MBA there, uh, was always into poetry and rap. Uh, so started rapping and doing martial arts and combining the two, um, doing full-time ministry. I was an evangelism pastor for a while uh, at McLean Bible Church. Um, and full-time, I work for a um, Christian ministry. So I'm a local missionary doing evangelism and discipleship full-time. So yeah, that's kind of my world. It's like a, a amalgamation of like martial arts, ministry, music, film stuff. So I'm sure that was kind of confusing, but that's, that's, that's a little bit of a snapshot, you know, quick snap. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to wrestle this to the ground, man. And, and just so you, cause you're a very in, impressive guy and you've done a lot of really cool things. You've got a wonderful story. And I think you said you speak five languages. Am I right? Yeah, I'll say I studied five. Some of them are, are, are dwindling a little bit cause I haven't practiced, but yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, so you're definitely a man of many talents. So I'm going to tackle this to the ground. So what do you do to for a living? Like, how do you make money? Is it multiple sources? Uh, so uh, like I said, so I work for Christian Businessmen's Connection. So I'm a local missionary. <clears throat> and so I raise support, you know, just like any other missionary uh, so that I can disciple businessmen uh, full time, teach them how to share their faith, teach them how to abide in Christ and walk with them and have an impact on the marketplace. So that's what I do full time. Um, as a part of that, um, CBMC kind of knowing my heart and me coming out of the entertainment industry, the marketplace that I've been focusing on for the last kind of seven years is the entertainment industry. So I get to continue to function in the secular arts while I do that. So it's a weird combination of things. So my job allows me to continue to function that way because whether I, or not I was doing CBMC, I'd be sharing Christ. You know, I love the people there. Um, Jesus loves them. And so I want to be a light for them. So that's how I get most of my income. Yeah. Just being a local missionary. And then I get to also continue to do entertainment stuff. And does that make sense? Yeah. Well, so, but I, I do want to say this, you have 40, almost 48,000 followers on mm -hmm. Instagram. So I showed that to my assistant and she said, this guy's famous. Mm. And I was like, well, he's got, I mean, so you've got this following, <clears throat> but it's not under Philippe Prosper. No. Can you explain to us the name that it's under and why that name? Yeah. So uh, it's under rap as a martial art. That's my artist name. That's what I go by uh, as a rapper. Um, you know, I've always, uh, you know, love the craft of rapping, rhyming, poetry, um, I wasn't actually uh, allowed to listen to rap growing up. So that's kind of a funny thing that I, that I <laughs> ended up as a rapper. Oh, yeah. But awesome. the way I approached rap when it was kind of put on my heart to do uh, rap, um, to start rapping more seriously was like a martial art. You know, I grew up doing martial arts and seeing the world through that lens. And so I would rap and I would end up saying rap is a martial art as a tag at the end of what I would, 
of my verse. Ah, I kept on saying okay. it. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go by that because it sticks out and people can know kind of where I'm coming from. Um, and so, yeah, it just kind of, kind of stuck. Um, you know, if you think about it spiritually, you know, God's word is a sword, you know, words have power. The, in the tongue is a power of life and death as, as Proverbs teaches us. And so there was a lot of kind of themes and it was a place for me to live out kind of warrior metaphors, if that makes sense. Like in my, my music is, has a lot of war metaphors. So if you look at it, listen to it in a naked ear and you're a believer, you're like, well, he just slashed them. Like, why is it violent? And it's like, well, these are all spiritual metaphors, but when they live in the secular space, it's great because it gives me an opening to talk to people about spiritual things. Um, cause they don't, they don't see it. They don't hear it and like, oh man, this is, this is like, you know, Christian rap. I've never been put in that category and that's purposeful. Well, when I was doing research on you, uh, Philippe, you created a whole paradigm, a new paradigm mm-hmm. of rap. Do you want to explain that? Yeah. Um, what do you mean by that specifically? Well, you, you, well, I went and watched some of your videos and, it looks like you're incorporating martial arts into yeah, rap. Yeah. And that is a, that is a new paradigm. And, and I read an article about you that was talking about that. Yeah. So you want to walk us through that? Yeah. So one of the, um, so when I realized, you know, obviously my love for martial arts, my approach to rap kind of in this kind of warrior mindset, the spiritual metaphors and kind of living out my martial arts persona when I rap, um, you know, it was kind of natural for me for, to combine those two because they were very true to me and it was kind of a unique space for me to, to, uh, be a mm-hmm. part of that market. And there's also the Wu-Tang Clan, the legendary, um, you know, rap group called the Wu-Tang Clan that, uh, named themselves and had so many martial arts themes. So there's already kind of a, uh, I don't want to say precedent because they weren't martial artists. They just love martial arts, but they kind of laid the groundwork for an artist like okay. me to be uh, almost accepted in a market because they were kind of, you know, I kind of joke in some of my rhymes that I was born in their brains. You know what I mean? Like they wanted to bring martial arts and hip hop together, but they weren't martial artists. So now there's an actual martial artist who, you know, this was my life, uh, who's now a rapper who's actually combining both uh, because that's genuinely how I see rap. I just think it's martial arts with words. So. Well, I'm just intrigued by it. I did a sermon uh, in January about God giving you a new song, and I actually rapped the first rap to ever go top 100 <laughs> Sugar Hill Gang's Rapper's that's Delight. Awesome. And you guys can listen to that. That's on the website. But, hey, you want to throw something down for me? You, you, you okay with doing some freestyle? <laughs> Jim said he wouldn't surprise me, but now he's nope. surprising me. Oh, I don't want to put you on the spot, man. But, if, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no. Um I'm trying to think what would be the best for uh, this platform. Um, give me, can we do it at the end of the show? Can I do that? Like as a wrap up? Sure. Do it no problem. No, no, no pressure at all, I'll man. Do it in the end of the show as a wrap up. I just, you're, when I was listening to you, you're like, you're just, you were going, you were like going so fast. It was just fun to listen. I'm like, how does a brain, you're like, it just, anyway, it just fun to, fun to yeah, listen. Sure. So with all this to say, you know, you've got this um, notoriety through your music uh, uh, through uh, rap as a martial art, you are exposed to people in the entertainment world. You know, God's really given you a cool platform. Uh, you you wrote in your bio that you're passionate about making Christ famous. How do you balance being famous with 
making Christ famous? Where's the balance for you? Because that that is a fine line that a guy has to walk. Yeah. Um, to me, well, one, I don't I don't fully see myself as famous yet. I just kind of think the Lord's put me in interesting positions uh, to carry out the Great Commission. Uh, my my my, mm-hmm. my greatest passion uh, is not just to make him famous. It's it's you know, abiding and delighting in him. Um, and so it's one thing to know about Jesus. It's another thing to walk with him and to enjoy him, to delight in him. You know, like I think a lot about some of the issues uh, that non-believers have with Christians. And it's this whole idea where, you know, it's like, you're telling me that there's this wonderful, you know, if you're in love, you're telling some guy, there's this wonderful woman that you met, Right but you never talk about her and like, and you're never with her. It's like, you don't even love her. Why do you expect me to love her? Like there's no, and so, you know, it's great to kind of, you know, for people to know about Jesus. I want people to know Jesus's heart and I want uh, people to experience his heart when they're believers to prioritize them in such a way that they enjoy and delight in him. You know, I also give this analogy where it's like, let's say you were married to the perfect woman, right? She's perfect. She's beautiful. She's a hundred percent got her characters unblemished and you're always traveling or you never take time to look at her. It's like, you might as well not even be married to her. Like you're married to her technically, but you're not experiencing any of the benefits of being married to her. And it can be like that in a relationship with Jesus. Like, yeah, you're a believer, you know, Jesus, but you never spend time enjoying him. You never spend time delighting in him. And so, yeah, that's why you're not excited about him. You never spend time with him. You know, I just think about Psalm 27, 4, one thing I ask, one thing I desire that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on his beauty, to gaze on his beauty and meditate on his temple. So that's my passion. As far as your question to, to, to answer it directly, um, there's really no balance. Like I don't, as strange as that sounds, uh, like I don't, I know what my calling is and I couldn't care less about, um, my fame unless it leads to me being in positions to share Jesus with people. And so there's this constant thing every time I'm in a position with a famous person where it's like talking about Jesus could cost me, cost me the platform, cost me the relationship, cost me the collaboration uh, every single time. Um, And so there can't even be a balance. It can't be about me at all. So I'm always willing to give it up. I, I couldn't care less about it. Um, that sounds weird, and I'm sure some people wouldn't believe it, but it's like, I mean, I love Jesus, and I want people to to know him, and he loves them, and that's the whole point. And so, you know, I think about Daniel. I think about Joseph. You know, Jesus was in charge of their platform, and, you know, he was in charge of giving it to them and taking it away. And I think that's one of the reasons sometimes where – I'm sure there's a lot of reasons, but why we see Christians who are – who have secular platforms and they're not more bold because they're trying to maintain their platform. You can't try to maintain your platform. It's either a supernatural calling or it's not. And so for me, Jim, you know, hopefully this is not my last time on the show, but if you ever catch me trying to maintain my platform, call me out because I'm not, that's not why I'm here. I don't want to maintain my platform. Jesus will maintain my platform. If he wants to maintain my platform, my platform is for the sake of the gospel. Now that said, um, to answer your question another way, I'm wise about when I share Christ, I let the Holy Spirit lead me. 
my material is purposely not for consumption by Christians, right? I'm playing the role of an evangelist, not a pastor, right? So a pastor encourages the flock. An evangelist has to be all things to all people so that by all means he might win some. And so that's how I see the artwork mm-hmm. that we do, whether we're trying to do film or music or whatever. It's like I'm being all things to all people. Am I going to dishonor God? No, I'm going to do my best not to dishonor God. But um, that's why I'm not talking about Jesus every song. Because when I was not a believer, I've never been a Muslim. I don't want a you know, music CD that talks about Muhammad every song because I, I don't follow Muhammad. I don't want to listen to that. So that's the only balance that happens is like, Lord, when it comes to the artwork, when do you want me to put you in the front? When do you want me to pull like, how, like, how are we doing this? How can it be wise, you know, shoot as a snake, innocent as a dove. Um, but then when it comes to the platform, when it comes to conversations, when it comes to interviews or podcasts, I try to still be led by the spirit, but ultimately it's like, Lord, if I'm not going to use it for you, don't give it to me. It's the only reason. It's the only reason for it. That. Uh, is so encouraging to me. You know, when we launched Men in the Arena 10 years ago, actually, we made a very distinct choice to be a faith-based organization. And we're a donor-supported organization. So I'm essentially a missionary like you are. And, you know, it's funny. There are a lot of guys out there doing things who are Christian guys, but they're doing them subversively as as a non-Christian organization. I've always wrestled with that. I'm like, God, can do whatever God wants to do. You know, I mean, I know that, you know, I, I really respect one of my favorite Christian artists is a guy named mm-hmm. Lecrae. I, and he's just like in your face. This is what I believe knowing that's going to cost him. It probably cost mm-hmm. him secular fame. I think he's that good, but, but going all in and, and what you said reminded me of Romans one I am not ashamed of the gospel for it's a power of South. It was a, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for the power of God for this foul salvation of all men. And man, I just applaud you for that. And uh, I already am planning on getting you back on the podcast because I want to talk about your yeah. book coming up, but, but I don't want to talk too much about it now, but I just want to kind of dive into who you yeah. are. So you've had some phenomenal uh, faith sharing experiences. Do you mind giving us uh, a couple examples? I, I know that these guys are really wanting to hear about Shaquille. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, but I don't want to violate that conversation either. Yeah, I've had some pretty amazing experiences when it comes to this. Um, and, and I did want to say one quick thing too, uh, just for people to understand. You know, I think with an artist uh, like Lecrae, which I think is awesome, the backlash, he's gotten a little backlash from um, Christians at times because he's trying to use his platform even more in a secular space now to share Christ. But what happened is that he started out making music for Christians and then it started getting bigger and bigger. And then, you know, then he started to transition. So it seemed like he was watering himself down to get more famous, which, you know, I don't know him personally. I don't think that's the case. I think he was just trying to become more of an evangelist where maybe he was more pastoral before. Whereas in, in, in my case or in our case and, and some of the people we work with, it's always been in the secular space. And so we don't make, I'm, unapolog- I'm unapologetically Jesus. You're going to get that every time. Everybody I've ever worked with has heard the gospel uh, in secular space, literally, um, that I've worked directly with. And so it, everybody knows, but my artwork itself is not for the Christian market, right? That's a business. I could not be a Christian 
and sell stuff to Christians. Like I can make a Jesus shirt, right? And be an atheist and just be like, I'm selling. So I just this is just a target market that I can make money off of. The target, yeah, the target market that we have is the secular one because that's who we're fishing for. If that makes sense. Um, yep. Yeah. Totally. So. Uh, but you were asking about, yeah, some of the sharing screen. Yeah, it's been, you know, the way I look at the celebrities, um, you know, I just look at them like every other person. Um, I know that God's called me to the secular entertainment industry. So it's been cool to see him maneuver so I can get in front of these people uh, and share with them. So, yeah, I did get to share Christ with Shaq and Nick Cannon and Jim Jones and others on a podcast that I was hosting. And all this is genuine. Like, you know, some people... My, like it, none of this, I say this for anybody who will hear this down the line. It's like, I genuinely love these people. And so I, and I genuinely love Jesus. And so there's no other path than to share Christ with them. Cause I don't know if I'll ever talk to them again or not, but I have an audience with them. And so I use it for that uh, purpose, but to put the emphasis on just um, the power of Jesus, the power of the Holy spirit in us, you know, uh, I share Christ a lot. And so what happens to me a lot is people will say, like, when I share Christ, people come to Christ, I'll get this, this, uh, you know, people always remind me it's the Holy Spirit. You know what I mean? It's it's not me. And it's like, praise God. Um, I'm fully mm-hmm. aware of that. Um, and then it's funny when I tell them to share Christ and they say, Philippe, I'm not you. <laughs> so I'm like, is it the Holy Spirit or is it me? Because you're, you're talking out of two sides of your mouth. And I understand what people are saying. People are spiritually gifted in different yeah. ways. But we have to make sure to remember that evangelism is a supernatural thing. It's not a natural thing. So we have to remove our natural excuses for not doing it. Like, I'm not wired that way. Okay. The Holy Spirit still lives inside of you, though. So you still want to be submissive and available uh, to the Holy Spirit. You know, oh, I'm more of a relational evangelism guy. All right. Well, the scripture teaches us about a bunch of evangelism approaches, but it literally never teaches us about evangelism styles. So that's for all the listeners, just encourage people, even if you're not gifted in evangelism, even if you're not wired to do it, to not hinder the Holy Spirit's desire to share through you. And I'll give one quick example, um, because I, I pray this is encouraging to what the Lord can do is, you know, I was on a Geico call uh, with a, um, a lady. And at the end of the call, she asked, she said, hey, is there anything else I could help you with? And I was just like, you know, talking to the Lord and, you know, the Lord put it on my heart. He's like, yeah, you know, you know what to do. And I was like, oh man, I'm like, I go call Lord. <laughs> and I was like, and I was like, all right, well, here I go. Here I go dying, you know, again. So I was like, hey, yeah, um, actually a uh, really crazy question for you. Do you mind if I ask you, I don't know if you think about spiritual things or do you mind if I ask you a really crazy personal question? I know you're working so you can say no. And she goes, no, no, go ahead. Ended up being a Muslim, I start sharing, asking her spiritual questions, sharing Christ with her. She says, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. She's like, you're not going to believe this. Before you called, me and my coworker were just having a conversation about God and heaven and hell. She says, can I put her on speaker? So no you way. can share Christ with her as well. This is a Muslim lady on a Geico call. So she puts her on, true story, I don't lie. She puts her on speaker and both of them say they want to repent and trust in Christ. I mean, that is so supernatural. You could not attribute anything to me. Like my, my dad's still not a believer. I'm in his office right now. So if it was me, my dad would have been a believer a long time ago, right? I've shared with him a thousand times. But the point is, what an awkward, weird, 
you know, nobody in their practical and with practical wisdom will tell you that that's the right time to share Christ. But here you are, two Muslim ladies coming to Christ. I had an uh, opportunity to share uh, with a guy who was outside of a barber shop. Um, go inside. It was before the barber shop opened. Literally, I go inside. He says, "Hey, this is amazing. Will you come inside and share with my other barbers?" There's a there's another barber inside. I'll simplify the story. Five barbers come from the back. I have to start over five times sharing Christ. So there, this is like 45 minutes to an hour just sitting there sharing Christ. There's one barber to the left who's not interested at all. At the end of the conversation, I'm thinking the first guy that God led me to talk to, it's got to be him. So I'm looking at him asking what he understands. Like, do you understand repentance? Like, do you understand all these elements of the gospel? Long story short, all six guys that are standing there minus the guy to the side say they want to repent and trust in Jesus. The barbershop wasn't even open. I shouldn't even been allowed in there. But the point is, I've had amazing experiences like that, just seeing the Lord work. So just to all the listeners, just to encourage, like, we've got the supernatural spirit of God in us. And we can't minimize that. And so we've got to be sensitive and submissive and just let the Lord do what he's going to do. And if, we've, and I have, if I have the supernatural God of the universe leading me and guiding me, like you said from your question before, why would I have to protect my own platform if he's the one putting me there? to have these kinds of conversations. Well, I agree. And and here's the, the issue that we run into scripturally. Yes. uh, Some people are gifted as evangelists. We know that, right? There is an office of evangelism, but we can't neglect and we can't hide behind. And I'm afraid that this generation uh, has hid behind some things and the, and Christianity has gone silent and people want to see men and women living out boldly, whether they agree or disagree. But here's the issue. The Bible is very clear, and Jesus clearly calls us salt and light. He clearly told his disciples to go. So my rub, Philippe, and you can tell me what you think about this, there is definitely giftedness, but there's also this concept of fishing for men and women, listening to the Holy Spirit, and and being salt and light, you know, First Peter three eighteen says, or three fifteen says, be prepared in season, out of season, to give a defense for the hope that lies within yeah. you. So, what are what are what are your thoughts when you hear somebody say, "Well, I'm not gifted in that area"? How do you respond to that guy? We've got thousands of guys listening right now, and they're probably going, "I'm not." Oh, heck no! You know, what are your what? Are, how do you respond yeah, to that? I love that question. I'm going to give you a convicting response. What would you say? What would you say to me? <laughs> If I said, what, what would you think about, about a marriage if you had to force or coerce somebody to talk about their spouse? What would that tell you about their relationship? Well, let me let me put it in real time. I was speaking at a men's conference a couple weeks ago, and I, actually this happened last night as well. And the guy's complaining about his marriage, and I go, let me see your Facebook page. Let me see your Facebook page. Pulls it up, picture with him and his kids. No wife on the cover, no wife in the profile, no wife inside. I go, bro, your problem is you don't love your wife. What? I go, in fact, your problem is you hate your wife. And so, so that kind of launched him a little reality check, but this is, this is the problem, right? Yeah. So it's, it's this, it's this issue of delight. You talk, you, you talk about things that you delight in. It doesn't matter if you love soccer and you're not a speaker and you're not gifted in speaking. The second someone brings up soccer or any chance you have to talk about it, it's going to spill out of you. Right. I I was at a, 
men's prayer about breakfast speaking. And I, I asked the guys, raise your hand if you're a worshiper of God. And all the guys raised their hands. And I said, it's going to get convicting, guys. And I said, if I told you my son worshiped soccer, what's the one thing you would never have to ask him about? It's soccer. You don't have to ask him, did you watch soccer today? Don't ask him. That's a dumb question. Ask him about his homework. Did you practice soccer today? Don't ask him that. He worships soccer. Do you ever have to tell him, hey, tell your friends about soccer? No. He worships soccer. That's the one thing he's going to, if he can do anything at all, it's the one thing he's going to do is soccer. So the issue, mm-hmm. you know, I heard this person say the term forced evangelism. That should be an oxymoron. Forced evangelism. Yep. You should never feel forced. You should, you sh- we should love Jesus so much. We should be delighting him so much that it's just, it's just, it's, it's about to explode. Like we just want to talk about him. And even if we're not gifted, we're doing our best because we love him. We delight on him. You see your favorite movie. I don't have to force you. You're, you're calling me the next day. You're my friend's like, bro, you have to go see this movie. You've got to, you fall in love with someone. You're like, I met the most amazing girl last week. So if you have no desire, if your response to evangelism is, man, I just don't want to do that. The question has to be, how much are you delighting in Jesus? How much do you love Jesus? And do you love yourself more than you love him? So I think it's more of a heart issue uh, than anything else. You know, people make it a training issue. Mm-hmm. It's a heart issue. When you want to do it, then training is helpful. But if you're averse to it, it's more of a heart issue than anything else. I shared Christ with my parents before I knew what to say. As soon as I came to Christ, you know totally. what I mean? It was like, I have to tell you, I love you. I want you to go to heaven. Jesus is awesome. I don't know what to say, but I'm going to tell you what I, you know? And so that, that's what I was saying earlier. You know, we all talk about revival in this country. You know, revival doesn't come from more people coming to know Jesus. We have a lot of people who know Jesus in our country already. And, and we've, lo- mm-hmm. and we've lost the country essentially. Um, revival comes from those who follow him, actually delighting in him, actually putting him first. Then you're walking with him. Then people see him on you. Then you, it's, it's bursting out of the seams you're sharing with him. Then when people come to Christ, they can walk in your shoes and delight in him as well. And so I think as a church, we have an issue of abiding in him and delighting in him more than a, more than anything else. Oh, man, I, I agree hundred percent. You know, it's really funny that you're, we're having this conversation right now about a year ago, I was really convicted like, and I've, I've been trained in evangelism. Mm-hmm. I can go through the Romans row, the four spiritual laws, my story, his story, your story, all these things. But I was convicted because man, I'm this great tipper. I go into these restaurants. People love me. I walk out and they're still condemned. So I, you know, and we live in a world right now where you can't drop the four spiritual laws on somebody. You got to find another way. But we live in a real broken world. So I decided, uh, read a book and really inspired me that every time I go out to eat, I'm just going to ask the waitress how I can yeah. pray for him. But it opens a door like you cannot believe and the floodgates open. Yeah. And it's just one opportunity to not only care for people, but to say, listen, I'm the guy praying over here. Don't worry, you'll get your 20% yeah. tip. But I'm going to pray for you by name. And it's just another way to be salt and light. And it does not require any evangelism right. training. And, and to your point, it just re- it's us yeah. realizing, you know, God, God doesn't put his Holy Spirit in us just so we can be nice guys. We're supposed to be a divine disruption. You know, everywhere Jesus went, there was a divine yes. disruption, Ooh. right? Something divine. Yeah, That's something good. Something divine happened. And so, like you said, like 
you're going out to eat, you ask someone if you want to pray for them, you just brought the spiritual to bear in their lives. You were a divine disruption. And then from there, as they open up, just being, you know, you mentioned First Peter 3.15, just being gentle and respectful. You'd be surprised how far you can get in a conversation with a stranger when you're gentle and respectful. When you ask for permission to get into their personal space spiritually, right? You say, hey, I'm so sorry. Do you mind if I ask you a personal question? They've given you permission. Hey, do you mind if I ask you a spiritual question? They've given you permission. You know, say, hey, there's just something on my heart. You know, do you mind if I share it with you? Sure. And you, you'd be surprised. You can get into the gospel with people. And after you've prayed with someone, um, they're that much more open. And, and, and so I just encourage people just, you know, we have our own wisdom uh, to not lean on our own understanding. You don't know. You know, I love to people to tell people to pray for divine appointments, to trust God for divine appointments. You may think this is like this cold open, but you don't know. The person may have been suicidal last night and crying out to God to send them a sign. And here you are, you know, a person with the Holy Spirit in front of them. And if you're just submissive to God's spirit and just, just trying to be obedient, you'd be surprised the kind of people you interact with. They're like, man, I was just praying last night that God would give me a sign. And here you are. And so their ears are open and they're willing to listen. And so I just really encourage people to remember, like, we are, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. We, God's called us to divine appointments. Uh, I love to tell people we're search and rescue. So we're in a spiritual war. Right. Sometimes we think we're on vacation. We're yeah. not on vacation. So like if you're on vacation and you get your leg cut off, it's the worst vacation ever. And you start start screaming why. Right. If you're at war and you get your leg cut off, you know what this is. Right. You're just like, man, I'm just glad I made it home. And so for mm-hmm. us to realize we're in a spiritual war, hard things are going to happen. We can't act like we're on vacation. Not only that, we're search and rescue. Like we're the guys that go into the storm not out of the storm. And so when you get a storm in your life, instead of running away and acting like scripture says, like something strange is happening to you, nothing strange is happening to you. In order to help people out of the storm, you need to go into the storm. So sometimes God brings storms into your life so you can dive and grab other people out of it. So I don't know how we got to that, but. Well, no, I I think this is really good. And, And one of the things you've alluded to a couple times and I know that these guys, guys, I know you're listening, and I, guys, I know what you're thinking right now. You're thinking that all sounds good and dandy, but but give me something to chew on here. You know, for me, I shared I like to pray with the waitresses or waiters and do that. That's kind of been a little go-to for me lately. I'm always throwing the lure out, always fishing, always trying to find a someone who will bite, someone who God has been working on. What is your go-to? I, you've already shared it. But I want you to articulate it again. What is your go-to method? Like, what is the thing that God uses the most with you when it comes to sharing your faith? When it comes to sharing my faith, um, I think a lot in analogies. So it turns a lot into me uh, explaining the gospel. I use the Romans road a lot, but I'll, I'll just, you know, I'll start out with a question. Uh, I'll ask for permission. I'll say, hey, you know, this has been in my heart a lot. My family and I have lost a lot of people. So I think a lot about life and death. Do you mind if I ask you a personal spiritual question? I don't know if you ever think about that. And they say, hey, yeah, sure. And then I'll just go, you know, typical evangelism explosion kind of question and just say, hey, where do you think you would go if you if you passed away today? I don't know if you ever think about that. But yeah, where do you think you would go? They give me their answer. And then from there, you know, I kind of go into the gospel message with them. You know, I 
the, the truncated way I tell people, the way I think about it is good news, bad news, good news is that I usually elaborate and explain it, but yep. good news is, is God designed you. He loves you. He created you for a relationship with him and he wants you with him in heaven forever. It's good news, right? People go, like, yeah, yeah, good news. Sometimes I'll elaborate, talk a little about Genesis and how he made things. But if I have a very short amount of time, I'll say he wants you in heaven, he loves you. The bad news is he's righteous. Sounds like good news, but it's not because we're not. We're not righteous. The scripture says there's not one righteous, not one, that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So that means, yeah, there, let's say you're comparing yourself to someone else. The way I tell people is this is, yeah, God knows, like, you know, Hitler, what Hitler did might be worse than, you know, like a little white lie that, that you think that you told. But this is the bottom line. Let's say it's this is a test and that person has a negative a zillion on the test and you've got a 49. Guess what? You both get an F. And that's the point is we've all fallen short. We Everybody gets an F on this test. And so, you know, and I go to Romans 6.23, which says the wages of sin is death. So that's the bad news is that we all have a spiritual death penalty. Every single one of us in that doesn't matter how many good things I do, right? If I get if I if I commit a crime today, right? I go to Walmart, I steal a bunch of things. My court dates in a couple months, and I go do five hundred thousand good things. What happens to me on my court date? I'm still guilty, you know. When you go to a judge, you don't go for the good things that you've done. You go to an award ceremony for that. The judge isn't concerned about the good things mm-hmm. that you've done. He's co- concerned about the crimes that you brought. And so, even though I haven't. It's been two months since I've stolen. I've done all these good things. I'm still, I'm still guilty. And so people realize that and be like, yeah. So it's like, so what you did 15 years ago, you're still guilty of. And when you die 50 years from now or tomorrow, you'll still be guilty of everything that you've done, no matter how many good things you've done. So how does God reconcile that? And then I go into the gospel message, the good news, which is, you know, the wages of sin is death. Jesus. But yeah, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. There's really good news. It's a gift but he paid for you. He paid your penalty. And so we'll just, I'll break that down and explain it. I do this whole electrical chair analogy. You know, they're going to electrical chair. God says, you know, I love you too much. I don't want you to go here. This is forever, but I'm too righteous. I can't let your sin go. I tell them the picture of the judge on the chair. They ask the judge why he's there. He says, someone's got to pay for you. So he says, someone's got to pay for you. So he says, I'm going to pay for you essentially. So yeah, we do this whole analogy where they realize, hey, the gospel is the only place where God is consistent in his righteousness and in his love. Everyone else is counting on God to stop being righteous or stop being loving. Oh, you know what? I looked at your heart. It's a nice heart. You get in. Or you know what? I don't like you. You go to hell. Like That's not how God works. He's perfectly righteous. He's perfectly loving. What that means is he's not going to let your sin go, but he loves you. So he's going to find a way to handle that. What that means is he's going to step in for you. In that moment, he's still- yep. You know, he's still been righteous. He's still, somebody had to pay for that. He just paid for it for you. In that moment, you see his righteousness and his love. So yeah, we talk about the gift of God is eternal life. So we talk about that. So they've got the whole picture painted. And what I want them to leave with is just, hey, there's a God who loves you. There's a claim that heaven is a gift. You're a conversation away. You're a conviction. You're a repentance away from going to heaven. And also I want them to know you're guilty. And nothing good that you do is going to get you out of that except for this. So uh, is that, does that kind of mm. answer your question a little bit? Um, Absolutely. So it's really interesting that that method that you are describing is the exact method. I use it. I call it this four yep, spiritual yep. laws and I use four words, God, sin, Jesus Christ, and trusting. And I actually was able to lead a firefighter 
to the Lord in Greenville, Mississippi about a month oh, ago. God. But it was, he teed it up for me though, man. He said, I've just got this void in my life and I don't know how to fill it. Can you help me? I'm oh, like, really? Appointment. <laughs> and he was, happened to be a firefighter. He was a firefighter, 20 <clears throat> year old firefighter. He said, I just, uh, I can't, I understand everything you're saying, but I can't try. I don't know what to trust. I don't trust any, yeah. anybody. Well, his police chief was in the room and his police chief is a Christian. And his police chief brought him ton. This young man had tons of respect for the chief. I said, do you ch- trust the chief? Mm. He said, oh, man. Yeah. He's like a father figure to me. Oh, yeah. I said, well, what happens if you don't trust the chief? He said, I die. I die. I go, you realize you just described what it means to follow Jesus. Mm. And he goes, oh, man, I'm ready to pray. Yeah, you awesome. know, so, uh, but what you described I want to go back a little bit because I think that, you know, walking guys through the Romans road, the four spiritual laws, the evangelism explosion, uh, youth for Christ, my story, his story, your story, all of these things can still be intimidating. But what you really start with is you start with a question. That's really what you start with. Your go-to seems like you're just having a conversation with somebody you care about about somebody else you care about and you're asking them, Hey man, can I ask you a question? Anybody can do that. In fact, my, my granddaughter does that all the time. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, know, and so this is a critical thing. And, and I think uh, one of the things, you know, talk to me about noticing, do you ever use this method of noticing others, like noticing something about them that enters you in how does noticing play a role in your evangelism yeah absolutely i found that you know the the principle of just first peter 3 15 of just being gentle and respectful um and loving i you know if you notice something interesting on somebody it means that they spent time on it whether it's an interesting tattoo or it's an interesting colored shirt or interesting hairstyle and complimenting someone always disarms them it gives you favor right away so I'd always go for genuine things, you know, um, the biggest thing in evangelism, just be genuine. Like, you know, there's all these tactics mm-hmm. and all these different things. Forget about that. People can smell, uh, when you've got a packaged thing that you're trying to sell to them. So from a mile away, away, so just be genuine sometimes that, you know, and, uh, so yeah, so complimenting people, noticing things, like you said, is always a huge entry because it just familiarizes yourself and puts people's walls right down. And I think just being genuine. Sometimes I tell people, say, hey, my ice cream is melting right now. Like, you know, I'll literally be like, um, you know, my ice cream is melting right now. And I'm only talking to you because this is super important. You know, do you mind if I, you know what I mean? I'll just be genuine. Like whatever's going on, if people can feel that and, and smell that. And so I always tell people to start with their quiet time. A lot of my evangelism trainings will go back to quiet time. Like if you're hanging out with Jesus in a way where you're, internalizing his presence and you're internalizing his word it's going to change the way that you look at your life it's going to look change the way you look at other people's lives you're going to have a genuine care and love for people and experience with jesus that will soften your heart uh, and give you the desire to step out of the norm to share with people Um, and so even more than it just being a duty-based thing a discipline-based thing all those things are good, but having it be a passion thing where it's like, hey, when you spend time with God, do you actually spend time acknowledging his presence, internal, internalizing that and reacting to it? Or do you just jump in and 
you know, start reading your body. It's just, it's just like the wife example. If I sit down, I look my wife in the eye and I take time to realize, man, she's sitting right next to me. Look how beautiful she is. We have this moment together. It's a lot richer of a moment than if I put out, pull out a list of to do's and just start rambling them off to her or vice versa. It's totally different kind of time, right? We talk about quality time with our loved ones. Do we spend quality time? with God, you know, uh, you, you can have your best friend in the room and you're really busy and you notice him there, you know, he's there, but you don't take the time to acknowledge him and react to him. That happened to me in a training I was doing, I was doing a training and a guy I hadn't seen in a long time was in there and I kind of said hi and I kept on going. And then for the second part of the training, he was sitting next to me in the car. We we're doing an outing. I was like, bro, you're here. I was like, I can't believe you're here, man. And he was like, yeah, man, you barely acknowledged me before. And it's like, dude, I saw you. I knew you were there. I'm sorry, man. I didn't, I didn't fully internalize it. So I didn't enjoy him the first time. The first time I just kind of saw him, acknowledged that he was there, but I didn't take the time to enjoy the fact that he was actually there until I sat down and I was with him. And I'm like, bro, you're here. It's been so long since I'd seen you. And so in our time with God, when we open up our Bibles, do we take time to internalize the fact that the God of the universe is there with us. He loves us. He's watching us right now. The guy that we were just reading about walking on water, we have his attention right now. And he loves us. And his disposition towards us is a loving one. Do we take time to internalize that? Because then we start relating to Psalm sixteen eleven, in the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. Of course, if, if, if Jesus was walking on us right now, we'd be so like, wow, this is amazing. Our minds would be blown. We'd be so joyful. And so you think about living by faith. Walking by faith, not by sight, the way I translate that in a practical way is like, what if we lived lives that reacted more to what Jesus said than what we saw? What if we lived lives that reacted Mm -hmm. more to what Jesus said than what we saw? So even in my quiet time, what if I reacted more to the fact that Jesus has said that he's with me? What if I reacted more to the fact he says, draw near to me and I will draw near? What if I actually visualized and reacted to that like it was true, as true as if I saw him? What if I took the time? You know, we know how to dwell on problems, right? We, we, look, we think of every ramification, we flip it over, we turn around, we dwell on problems. What if we took time to dwell on what God's word said mm. and also dwell on the fact that he said he's here? Am I enjoying that? You know, people think of, this is the last thing I'll say, because I can be long-winded here. People think of experience. People think of experience as an external thing, but experience is an internal reaction to an external perception. It's an internal mm-hmm. reaction. to mm-hmm. ext- So if I'm schizophrenic right now, I'm going to perceive something externally. I'm going to have all types of anxiety associated with it, even if it's not there. In the same way, John 17, 17, God's word is truth. So if I trust God's word and the scripture says that God is here, if I take the time to perceive that in my heart, I'm going to experience something different than if I don't. Does that make any sense? Yeah. I mean, what I'm hearing you say is if I am truly spending time with Christ, let me use the word abiding. If I'm truly abiding with Christ, there will be an overflow out of my spirit. And when I get into a routine where I'm not doing that, I tend to run dry, you know, in fact, we're talking John 15 now, right? Mm-hmm. So you, and actually you, you are writing a book about that subject, yeah, aren't I you? Am. What's the book called? Right. The working title right now is just abide. I don't know what it's going to turn into. 
I know the old working titles. You got to love it. It'll come in. Well, that's cool. So give me what, so what's the, obviously uh, you're looking at like John 15, five uh, right in there. What, tell me about what's the book about? Uh, the book is really about uh, the fact that I think as believers we're missing, a lot of us are missing something when we spend time with God, right? When we hang out with God, in other words, you know, uh, if I were to say, hey, you know, to a non-believer, I hung out with God this morning. Like, is that what we actually did? Is that, is that, is that, did we actually spend the time, like I was talking about before, acknowledging and reacting to his presence? Because obviously, you know, um, if, if someone hangs out with God, you would think that they would have a radically different day. You would think that that time would have some kind of special impact. And with the country of Christians that are bored, reading their Bible and have to be coerced to, to spend time with God, is that what they're actually doing? Are they actually being with God or are they just kind of sitting? Like I said, I could be sitting with my wife right now, reading an email that she sent me. <laughs> so I'm reading her words, sitting down next to her and not, and not mm-hmm. be having quality time with her. Right? So, yep. so the book kind of dives into what does the scripture teach us about actually internalizing God's word and his presence. What does it teach us about setting our eyes on the things above, right? It has all this language about setting your eyes, setting your heart. There's all these intentional things that we're supposed to do when we're being with God. And I think that we haven't done a very good job as a a just church corporately teaching that and passing that on. Um, I'll, I'll put it this way. You, you said, you know, abiding in Christ and there'll be an overflow. And it's just like, how? That's the big how. How do I enjoy my time with God more? How do I delight in him more? I'll say this, this last analogy. If I said to you, uh, Jim, there's a wolf behind you right now. A hungry, ravenous wolf right now. You have no reaction to it right now, right? Because you don't believe me. But it could be right there. I mean, Jim, you don't know. You haven't turned around. There could be a ravenous wolf right there, but you don't know. So it could be there and you're not experiencing it, even though it's there, right? In the same way, if you believe me, I said, there's a ravenous wolf behind you, you'd have an internal reaction to that. And so sometimes people sit in their time with God. And yeah, sometimes we have these awesome experiences where it's like we just experience the presence of God. But the point of the book is that, one, we, we don't rely on our experiences, right? But our experiences and our emotional reactions to things show us what we take the time to internalize. If you took the time to believe me that there was a wolf behind you, you would have an internal reaction to that. And my point is, is that there's these spiritual truths all around us that we don't take the time to truly dwell on so that we have the proper reaction to them. And so the whole book, the whole Bible book is about how do I internalize God's word in such a way that it impacts me the way it was meant to impact me, right? Like the fact that God is here, Jesus is God is, God is in his, God is in this room, Jim. Okay. We know that. But right now we're having no reaction to that. Mm. Okay. He's in this room, but look, we're still acting the same right now, but he's in this room. So how do we go from knowing he's in his room to knowing he's in this room in a way that it changes our lives, the way that it changes our experience of the fact that he's in this room. Mm -hmm. So that's what the book is about. Well, and what's, what's interesting too, if we're going to use this John 15 abiding analogy, if I'm internalizing these experiences and they're causing an external reaction, right? 
if I am experiencing an in, internal, heartfelt, vibrant, dynamic relationship with Jesus, the natural byproduct of that will be yeah, fruit. Very much fruit, yeah. So, so I don't have to put the pressure on myself to share my faith yeah. because it's a natural over, you know, what we just did, we just went back to the first five minutes of this podcast yeah. because you said it's a heart issue and really faith comes down. It's not a fear issue. It's a heart issue. So guys, I just want to tell you if, if you are a guy who's silent about your faith, if you are a guy who's anonymous about your faith, if you are a guy who does not you do not allow Jesus to put you on display guys i think it's time for a gut check i think we really need to check our heart and ask god why there's no overflow producing fruit yeah and and i think my big thing is again we have the best thing in the universe we have the god of the universe every good thing that we worship, we shouldn't worship, but every good thing that we idolize comes from him. So the, so, mm-hmm. so the issue is, if you're spending time with God and you're bored, you're missing something because he's not boring. That is a great yeah, statement. He's not boring. And that's what the book is about, is you're missing something. If you're spending time with God and you're bored, you're, you're missing the whole thing because he, by definition, is not boring. He is the creator of everything that you've ever enjoyed. Um, and so, uh, you know, there's the gut check and then there's like, Hey, go back to your Bibles. Like when you read when, when David is talking about his relationship with God, he's saying the one thing I ask, the one thing I desire, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on his beauty. Like, what is he, can we relate to that? And what I want to offer to people is we should relate to that. That's what has been offered up to us that God's God's trying to offer the most wonderful relationship we could possibly have. And this is what I want to say is not, do not settle for anything less. Pursue that. Don't settle for anything less. Anything less is we're missing it. Um, and so, you know, there's things in our lives where, you know, you familiarize with them and they, they, they get dimmer. They lose its all. God is the opposite. He's infinitely beautiful. The more familiar we get with him, the more awe-inspiring he is. And that's the way it's going to be forever. And so it's just reminding people that's what's there. Run after it. Stop sidelining it. Well, you know, it's really interesting. I just had this thought in my brain. This morning, so I'm going through the pastoral epistles verse by verse. I'm journaling them. And this morning I was in 2 Timothy 3.17. So you know 3.16, all scriptures inspired by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, right? Okay. Now. Verse 17 is so that the man of God may be adequate. New King James Version says complete, equipped for every good work. But it's really funny. You're going to laugh about this. I always date. Whenever God speaks to me in the scriptures, I always date it. And I had dated there July 19th, 1991. It was I was at wow. DC 91. That's hilarious. So I was in DC when I read that and it impacted me. But today it impacted me. I was like, you know what, God? Your word is the is the one guarantee I have for you to make me complete yeah. and obeying your word and diving into the word. And so I really I resonate with what you're saying because it, it really is an overflow. It's all about the overflow. It's all about internalizing God's word. And man, I, I, I really appreciate this. I appreciate your heart 
And uh, will you promise you reach out to me when the book comes yeah, out? Yeah, absolutely. I might I'd reach out to you. Yeah, I'd love, hang out. I'd love to get you on the show. Uh, <laughs> hey, man, if I ever get over that yeah. neck of the woods, that'd be really, really fun, man. If you're ever out here in Oregon. Right, Oregon. That's <laughs> good. All the, all the East Coast people, it's actually Oregon. Yeah. But love to have you on, man. Hey, 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 Philippe, how do our guys follow you? Uh, and uh, just kind of if they need to pick, if when your book comes out, is there a way for them to be notified? How do they get a hold of you? Yeah. Um, you can follow me and pray for me, um, you know, on Instagram at, at rap is a martial art. Uh, you'll see just a lot. I do put up just pure gospel presentations from time to time there. You'll get a lot more music and, you know, kind of entertainment stuff there. Uh, but you can reach me out there. I do check my DMS and stuff like that. So you can always message me there. Uh, my team checks that too. Um, besides that, you can also just email me um at uh philippe p-h-i-l-i-p-p-e at grandmasterstudio.com and yeah that's a, a great way for uh people to stay in touch lastly is just rap is a martial art.com rap is a martial art.com if you um add your email to the contact list we will contact you there um but yeah i mean but yeah i need i need everybody's prayers and then when you're looking at the posts and everything kind of have in mind this is a a mission field right so we're trying to reach out to these people and we're trying to um get a platform into their lives so that we can have the opportunity to share christ with them so well man hey i appreciate you coming on the show man it's been a great 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 time together and it's just fun to hear a guy's heart and know that i align with that heart so hey guys let's get our boots on the ground guys you heard some great stuff and we're not, this really is not an episode about sharing your faith. It's really an episode about your heart. And, and guys, if, if you're feeling a sense of conviction about your heart and your unwillingness or your fear or whatever it may be that's causing you to hide your faith, this, this thing you believe about Jesus, I want to encourage you to dive in deep to your heart, pursue Christ. And then I want you to ask God to put an opportunity in your path to share the overflow of your heart with somebody who desperately needs to hear about Jesus. So guys, make sure you head on over to meninarena.org, grab a free copy of my book, Tell Them What Great Fathers Tell Their Sons and Daughters. Also, our newest book is released, Guts and Manhood, The Four Irrefutable Attributes of Courage. Mm -hmm. You can pick that up on any platform out there. Sign up to join one of our many virtual teams by clicking on the Join Our Program button. Until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory, smell the stench of battle, get in the game, get dirty, grind it out, and be a man. You've been listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. If you hunger to be your best version, then join thousands of men from around the world in our Men in the Arena forum on Facebook. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of biblical manhood. Make sure to explore our website at meninthearena.org, sign up for the weekly equipping blast, and take advantage of our many free resources designed to help you become your best version of a man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, everyone wins. 
What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men for around the world and find out the type of dad you are.